you would take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. With all the chaos that's going on in our nation and the world, even got riots now in London um, and other places, but uh, you God's still on the throne. None of this has uh, taken him by surprise. Some people might wonder, why does God allow this? Well, God has a will for man, but man always does not always follow that. We have, we live in what we call the dispensation of grace, where man can exercise his free will and and act in rebellion to God if he so desires, and that's what we're seeing. Um, and what we're seeing is uh, not anything that has taken God by surprise. A lot of these things are prophesied in Scripture. So we're going to look at some of these tonight. I'm going to look, read the entire chapter of Luke chapter 21. Uh, if, you, if you ever read this chapter, you might also want to read Matthew 24. They kind of go together, talking about the same thing. But Anyway, Matthew or Luke 21 says, He looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. He saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. And as some spake at the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come, unto which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now we all know that happened already. 70 A.D. when the Romans came in Titus, and they destroyed the temple, taking it apart, stone by stone some thought that would never could never be done but uh, or who would who would want to do that take all the trouble just taking all the stones apart what's the purpose of taking all those stones marble stones huge stones what's the purpose of taking all the part well when they burned it the gold melted and ran down in the crevices of the rocks so the only way to get the gold was take it apart stone by stone and, of course, they did. They leveled it clear to the foundation. Uh, and that's all you see now today. And, of course, they, you know, Pharisees thought that was impossible. But anyway, verse 7 says, They ask him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what, shall be the, what will be there, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. When you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said unto him, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, notice before all these, they shall lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. It shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed, both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. 
and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in the Judea flee to the mountains, and them which are in the midst of it depart out. Let not them that are in the countries enter therein, therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. They shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles, unto the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things, and here's a key word, begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And, as, and he spake to them a parable. Behold, the fig tree in all parables. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time ye be hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that they come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come and all, on all them that dwell in the face of the hill worth. Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and shall stand before the Son of Man. In the daytime he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out, and abode in the Mount of Olives, that is called, Mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. So, just titled this, Beginning to Come to Pass. Beginning to Come to Pass. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. I pray to Father that you would, uh, as we look into your word tonight, that we would be encouraged and strengthened in our walk and our resolve to faithfulness until our Lord comes for us. Help us not to be distressed or perplexed by the things that we're seeing happening in our own country and around the world. But Father, we realize that that these things will come to pass and for the time in the end. So, Lord, just give us wisdom and understanding. Help us to rightly abide the scriptures, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we think about the world situation, of course, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and said, The last days perilous times shall come. Perilous speaks of dangerous, troublesome, uh, perplexing, and... I would say, you know, we are living in that time. Uh, we live, in, of course, in a nation, in a world that's divided, uh, in a world or a nation where common sense doesn't seem to be, has seemed to have escaped a lot of people in leadership. Let me give you an illustration. Of course, you know, there's been riots in Los Angeles. So the Los Angeles mayor came out with a statement, Eric Garcetti, announced on Wednesday the city officials are planning to cut the police department's budget by 100 to $150 million. Garcetti's announcement comes after violent riots have ravaged the city businesses and residents. The mayor called in the National Guard to help curb the unrest that has overwhelmed the city's 
overwhelm the city's law enforcement. So now you're going to cut their budget. Does that make sense? No. The mayor said the cuts to the police department will be replicated across other departments as the city redirects roughly $250 million from its budget to invest in, quote, communities of color and women and people who have been left behind, unquote. Now, <clears throat> I don't think that's going to help keep people under control. Uh, this doesn't make common sense to me. Or the Massachusetts Massachusetts Eternal Eter Eter General, Mara Healy, uh, on Tuesday refused to denounce the violent riots occurring nationwide, likening them to the purifying effects of a forest fire. This is what she said. Quote, yes, America is, in bur is burning, but thou that's how forests grow. Unquote. Um, you know, common sense seems to be thrown out the window and uh, wrong seems to be encouraged and violence and all this and everything that's going on uh, in, in our nation. Uh, as we read the Bible, and as we think about Luke chapter 21, and also this is true of Matthew 24, there's, some of, some of, there's, a, there's a mixture of prophecies here. Some of it, of course, relates to like the Romans come in with, with Titus in A.D. 70, and they, of course, they leveled the, the temple. It's been never rebuilt. And then he jumps ahead, you might say, in verse 20, uh, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, the, the desolation is near. I believe that's talking about, uh, again, Titus. But then later on, uh, when, he, when, he, when he goes to verse 25, he's talking about tribulation. Uh, uh, <clears throat> You know, the, the Jews were taken captive to all nations, verse 24, after the Romans ransacked Jerusalem and they were scattered all the world. The times of the Gentiles, I believe, refers to the course of this age until the Lord comes back in his return and sets up his kingdom. Uh, but they are back in the land. Israel's back in the land. So I think the dispersion there talk, is really referring to the Romans when they dispersed them all over the world. But when you drop to verse 25, there should be signs in the sun and the moon. This is, tribu this is tribulational language, which is described for us in the book of Revelation between chapter 6 and chapter 19. So, so you have a, a mixture of things here. But, but what he's telling his disciples, there's gonna, you know, the, the phrase I'm going to look at, when these things, verse 28, begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads for your redemption, draweth not. So we are living in perilous times, there's, there is, now, you would say, and of course, the first several verses here, uh, verses uh, 12 through 19, talks about the persecution of God's people, and some people might say, well, that's not really, that's not really real bad. <laughs> Maybe if you're in America. But everywhere else, basically, it is. I mean, think about North Korea, uh, any of the communist countries, uh, except for the exception of Russia at the present time, is not severe now, but they are being restricted again. And, and, but, but many parts of the world, in a vast part of the world, Christians are under intense persecution. India, again, there's, there's a lot of uprisings there, as it has been from time to time. Uh, and, of course, China. China is and North Korea and them kind of nations. So, in uh, in Africa, many places in Africa. Uh, so there, this is this is this this persecution 
this for Christians or the perilous state of situation for Christians is true in our world and it's becoming more and more prevalent in our nation. We're being, there are being articles written by people in newspapers, prominent newspapers, that we are the blame for a lot of this stuff. And some of the greatest threats to our nation are like homeschoolers and Christians and, you know. Of course, this isn't anything new. That's Bill Clinton blamed the, the religious right for his impeachment, too, you know. He was a victim. Uh, so, so the, you know, the, these things are hap, uh, uh, happening in our world. There's also the rebutting of Israel. If you notice in verse 29, and he spake to them a parable, behold the fig tree and all trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know your own selves, the summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now, so he's often not talking about a literal fig tree. He's talking about, he's, he's given a parable here. It's a, it's a story to illustrate some biblical truth. And he's describing it as a fig tree. He says, so verse 31, So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all be fulfilled. Uh, the fig tree in Scripture, in the vineyard here, is, is Israel. Uh, look at chapter 13. Chapter 13 of Luke. In chapter 13 of, of Luke, in verse uh, 6 through 9, he says, he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then see unto the dresser of his vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit in this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why come it to the ground? Now let me ask you. Now, he says a, a, a certain man had a fig tree. Now, the man is God, the fig tree is Israel, and the man that came seeking fruit is, guess who, for three years. Who was, who was three years among them? The Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, I've come seeking fruit in these three years, and I found none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? He answering said unto him, Lord, that alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So Israel is the fig tree. In fact, go to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. This is spoken of in the Old Testament. And you see an example here of the, the symmetry of the Old and New Testament in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 1 through 7, it says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Oh, and now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard than I have done, not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that I should, it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes, and now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden. I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned, nor dig, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard is the Lord of hosts, of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold oppression, for righteousness, but behold a cry. 
So he says, the vineyard is the house of Israel, the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And so he says here, when you see the fig tree in all trees, when they now shoot, shoot for, you see and know your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. In other words, harvest is coming. The, the fig tree is blossoming. It's getting ready to yield some fruit. And, of course, this is a parable. It's figurative of Israel. Uh, in 1916, you know, Chain Wiseman, who was a Jew, uh, by fermentation uh, extracted acetane from maize. And Winston Churchill asked him if he could do 3,000 tons of it. He said, well, I'd need men and a distillery and you know, all these things. And, of course, this was during World War I. And, and the, the British got most of their supplies to make acetane, which, was, which they used for ammunition for explosive, from Germany. Well, they're at war with Germany, so they can't get it. So this chain wise Wiseman, who was a Jew, come up with this this uh, uh, how to uh, through fermentation to make it from maize, and uh, he, they they built several factories to make it, and I forget how many tons they made a month on it. It was, it was a lot, but anyway, and uh, so he and he in, in doing this, he, he signally aided the the British in their their fight against Germany in World War One. He was also part of the Zionist movement. And, and for, for what he, his contribution to the war and to, to the British, they asked him what he would desire. He said, my single desire is a homeland for my people. And as a result of that, the Balfour Declaration came about, favoring, the, of course, the establishment of a nation, a Jewish national home in Palestine, which actually eventually came about in 1948. And, of course, Chaim Wiseman was the first president of Israel. Uh, Pr- Prime Minister Lloyd George called him uh, he would, a name that would rank with Nehemiah of the Old Testament. Churchill said of him, he's just like an Old Testament prophet. And uh, and so this and we see Israel has become a nation in this last generation and has become a prominent world power. But it's also become a burdensome stone. That's what the Bible calls it. Zechariah chapter twelve and verses two and three. The next to the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah twelve, two and three says this. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a couple of trembling unto all people round about, when they shall be in the siege against both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Of course, that's talking about uh, uh, preparation to the, to the uh, uh, Battle of Armageddon. But but they are a prominent world power. Uh, and so they are back in the land. We see the, the budding or the shooting forth of Israel. Uh, there's the speed of travel. The speed of travel. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, this is one of the things that's prophesied in the last days. 
Daniel 12, 4 says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, there's two things here. Knowledge increased, of course, the speed of travel. Isaac Newton, and you'll laugh at this, but Isaac Newton said this, that at one day man will travel speeds up to 35 miles per hour. And of course, men in supersonic jets fly faster than speed of sound. Uh, and of course, you know, people travel all over the world. I, I mean, it's constant. Of course, not now. It's been restricted because of the pandemic. But, but you know, this is part of there's There's knowledge shall increase, Daniel 4. We have the, the computer, the internet, email, uh, all satellites, all these things. Uh, you know, what, a computer is old after it's, what, three months old, six months old? Um, you know, and it's considered old. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's, there's, there's the access of knowledge and the way it can be transmitted, uh, which is a good thing and also a bad thing. Of course, it depends how it's used. It's really an immoral thing, but it's just how it's used. Um, but that was, that was kind of on a, There's distress of nations. Verse 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Now, of course, this is speaking about during the tribulation period, but he said, when you, these things begin to come to pass and look up, Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So we're going to see some of these things beginning to shake, take place pr- prior to, I believe, the rapture of the saints. Uh, and you know, there are, there is people are living in great fear today. What has driven the whole coronavirus thing? It's fear. It's just fear. People, some people are in a panic over it. Without any, without any real knowledge of what it could do, there was panic. Uh, and people are living in great fear. There is, there is wars and rumors of wars. Uh, verse 10, verse 9. But when you hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. So you're going to hear of wars, you're going to hear of commotions, uh, uh, rumors of wars, even before the Lord comes. And, and again, this is, this is something that's, that's growing in our world. We have, you know, we have ethnic strifes in our country, uh, racial divisions, which is created. As I'm saying, the whole situation is created. Uh, but on the world scale, you have the constant threat from Iran, China, and Russia. Now, I have an article here titled, Is China Preparing for War? This was, by, and I can't pronounce the, name, the guy's name. It's on a website called uh, Unheard. Unheard. And the title of it is, There is a reason Beijing is aggressively pursuing a policy of total national self-sufficiency. And the article goes on, he says this, quote, China is on a war footing. 
While the COVID-19 outbreak has exposed some grave political miscalculations behind decades of international strategic relations with Beijing, the depths of our problems are only just beginning to dawn on us. Fueled by our desire for even cheaper goods, the world has collectively sleepwalked into a supply-side dependency on the People's Republic. And that's, of course, that's China. The gamble has been pitched as a trade-off. China was expected to evolve democratic norms and embrace relations with the international community while we got richer from globalization. But we have been played. Whether it's clothing and factory fashion, personal protective equipment or hardware parts, too many of our manufactured goods delay on, rely on a made-in-China supply chain. At the same time as it, as it was busy taking control over our manufacturing, China was busy cloning Western software via her lackadaisical respect for international copyright rules, unquote. They steal copyright secrets. They don't care. Um, and then he goes on and says, and, quote, and while China relies on, uh, the world relies on China for hardware, China avoids software dependency on outsiders by creating substitutes. TikTok to replace Snapchat, Weibo instead of Twitter, WeChat, and RenRen for Facebook. Indeed, there's an alternative Chinese version for almost any platform. With manufactured goods and hardware made in China and software increasingly cloned in China, what of natural resources? Through the Belt and Road Initiative, a 21st century Silk Road connecting China to Europe over a network of land and sea trade routes, the People's Republic has embarked on a huge infrastructure project in 60 countries including loans and construction projects that secure key ports and mines as collateral for China to China for payment. Look to Pakistan, African or Asia, Southeast Asian nations to see China's rapid expansion and ownership of mines and ports. Look to the UK and China attempts to secure our telecoms industry via the high wall deal, her recent purchase of British steel, her quest to secure the nuclear power industry, Beijing even secured a deal to develop British nuclear station Hinkley Point C in Somerset, thus paving the way globally for China to enter the global market to dominate nuclear power. Over the decades, we have naively outsourced or lost manufacturing software neutral resources, natural resources, critical infrastructure to China. The economic benefits of globalization are well trodden. Yet, as COVID-19 has shown, has left our society vulnerable during a major crisis, unable to manufacture the most basic necessities, such as PPE. Meanwhile, China has achieved self-sufficiency. And the article goes on. But anyway, he said, quote, My conclusion is that China is preparing for war. Total, not limited war. The kind that seeks to rebalance the world power, tipping it in her favor by replacing the U.S. as the dominant global power. Historically, major conflicts have risen when the leading global power is challenged by a rival, and a problem known as the Scythodides Trap. And China is expected by some metrics to overtake the United States as the world's largest economy this decade. Um, China is on the move. And, of course, they're showing the true colors right now. They, they, they have, as the article states, they, are, they are, have controlling interests in many ports, and mines around the world, not just in China. And I read a article the other day that they also believe that China has infiltrated African countries' spy networks and is getting secrets about us through African countries. 
You see, there are wars and rumors of wars. But the Bible says here, Be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Now, you know, we're seeing all these things come to pass. Uh, Luke twenty-one twenty-six, we see also a lack of faith uh, in men's hearts, failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Uh, many, many are even to the, in, in our world today are having their faith shaken. They're being removed from the moorings. You might say apostasy is rampantly, rapidly growing. Uh, we live in a world, in a country, where the majority of, quote, people who call them Christians don't believe in any moral absolutes. They don't believe everything the Bible says. They want to pick and choose what they believe from the Bible. They, you know, I read a statistic by Barnes some years ago that even like as many as 50% of professing Christians don't believe in literal hell. So there's a lack of genuine faith. In Luke 18.8, Jesus said, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Will, will he find people? And, and you know, I don't think he's talking about will he find saved people. I think he's talking about will he have people that hold to the body of truth, that believe the word of God that uh, from cover to cover, that it is literal, that it is be taken literally and applied to life. It's not just a book of suggestions that we can... Pick and choose which ones we want and leave the rest. Which is what the vast majority of professing Christians do nowadays. So there's a lack of faith. Uh, So these are the things that are happening in our world today. There's earthquakes in diverse places, ethnic racial hatred, uh, famines, so on and so forth. Uh, but we need to be considering our own selves. In light of all these things and what we see taking shape in our world, what ought we to do? Well, look at, drop down to verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. So that's looking, looking, we're looking outward around us, but now looking inside. Looking, let's take a look at ourselves. Take heed yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we need to be, we, we need to be uh, taking heed. You know, Paul told Timmy to take heed to thyself. Look at in fact, go to First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four, and I think Paul's instruction here to Timothy is 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 fitting for us. Uh, in uh, verse twelve, First Timothy four twelve, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy, by prophecy, the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. That's just a, a group of uh, pastors. 
Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in so doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So how do we keep from being caught up with the indifference and the fear that's all around us? Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Paul's war, or the Bible is here under inspiration. The Spirit of God is telling us, take heed to yourself. In other words, you know, pay attention to yourself. Don't let yourself be overta- overtaken with all these things. Uh, we need to be, we need to be continually looking for the Lord and trusting in Him. Putting our faith and trust in Him and not be moved by what the world does. The world's going to do what it's going to do. And you aren't going to change it. Now, you may have the opportunity to change some individuals in the world. But you're not going to change the world. You're not going to save the world. So don't think you're going to save the world. That you're going to, you know, you know some people have this idea we all take up arms and, you know, we, we could do that. Probably all going to die in the end. That's not really our job. Our job is to be a witness to the world. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't defend ourselves if it's, if it's necessary. Uh, but, but our purpose here is to be a witness to the world. The, world's, the world is lost, and it's going to be lost. But there may be some individuals along the way that we can direct or give some hope to. That's what we, we need to be concerned about. And we need to take heed to ourselves. Uh, as Paul told it, you know, don't be overcharged. Your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That's indulging. Uh, surfeiting is, is, uh, uh, gluttony, uh, drunkenness and the cares of this life. Now, so he's talking about a, a life that's completely overtaking. As we, if we think, lump all these things together, the cares of this life, you, you could say completely overtaking with with the, the, the atmosphere of the world and the cares of the world and giving all our attention to that and just living it up. After all, we're just going to lose it anyway. Just eat, live, and drink for tomorrow we die. You know, that's kind of the world's philosophy. No, no, we're not to be overtaken with that kind of philosophy. We still have a purpose here. And that is to glorify God, to be a witness for the Lord to those individuals that are willing to listen and to hear. Because, you know, this, this, the cares and this, this, uh, 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 this kind of living, riotous living is a snare. Verse 35 says, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole world. It's a snare. You, you can be so easily, so quickly get caught up in the, the fear. And people do. If all you watch is CNN. I mean, I think if, if, if I watched CNN for six months, I'd probably be afraid. I can't stand it. I can't, I don't, I don't ever watch CNN, but sometimes I get news clips from CNN. I can't hardly stand it. You know, uh, 
along with a bunch of others. But anyway, you know, but it, it, it's a snare. Uh, these things are a snare. We can get so overwhelmed with all these things that we are rendered worthless in the service of God. You know, if we become afraid of everyone that we walk out that door and, oh, that might be an Antipa person. Are you likely going to witness to them? You know, they may be. But you know what? You know what their hope is? Their hope really is the gospel. And so we can be so overcome with the cares and the fears of this life and the things that we see happening upon us that we can be rendered useless in the sight of God. We could be preppers. You know, uh, remember when Y2K, the Y2K thing, and you know, a lot of people stored up food. I mean, there was even a group of people that stored up food and moved to a mountain somewhere, and you know, sold. They sold their 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 houses and their lands. And they moved to this place because they thought this this apocalyptic thing was going to take place, going to take, going to happen in our world at the the change from 1999 to 2000, and and so they were all prepared. Computers were going to crash. Mine worked the next day. It was all for nothing. See, he says, don't, you know, he he says we're to watch and pray, but don't be caught in these snares. Be wise stewards. I'm not saying that you ought not have some provisions, but don't spend your time and your cares. Take all your time considering these things and be rendered useless in the sight of God. And so, his instructions is in verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we need to be looking up. As verse 28 says, When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. You know, our Lord is coming, and we need to be expecting Him. We need to be watching for Him. And if we're watching for Him, just as a, 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 a bride prepares for her wedding day, there's anticipation there. 1 John 3, 3 says, He that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as he is pure. If we know the Lord is coming, we're going to be living in anticipation, looking for Him in faithfulness. Serving. In Luke 19, when he gave the, the parable of, uh, of the talents, he, uh, um, he said to occupy. At the end of that, he said to occupy until he comes. In other words, the word occupy means be employed, be active for the Lord until the Lord comes. So we do live in perilous times. I believe we're seeing things that you know, could be signaling the time is short. The time is short. These are perilous days. But God's instruction is to us is let's keep trusting in Him. Don't be afraid of what's happening in the world. Use wisdom. Don't allow the world to render you useless 
in his service by living in constant fear, but to be expecting him, busily serving him and glorifying him. For he is coming for us. Our redemption is drawing nigh.